Get ready. Ready. For the hottest new podcast in the world. From WWE to TNA. By way of the NWA. It's time for Reffing It Up with current impact referee Brian Hepner. An all new episode starts in. This. This. Is Reffing It Up. Welcome to episode 10 of Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner. I am the man with the magical voice, RJ. He is the man in the stripes himself, Mr. Brian Hebner. Brian, what's up, man? Hey, how are y'all today? Um, another rainy day. It seems like it rains every time I, I do this thing with you. Well, if, if it makes you feel any better, it's probably about, about 60 degrees here, give or take. Probably a little cooler. It's going to be in the 50s tonight and a little bit of rain. So, uh, All right, well, but- I'll take it. But uh, it's supposed to be 80 by Monday for Memorial Day. So it's supposed to be like 85 here in humid. So, well, that's good. It's supposed to be like extremely hot and humid here. Yeah. And uh, Virginia humid is um, something to behold. I can tell you that. It is yeah, hot. My, yeah. My uh, I, aunt and uncle used to live down in uh, Potomac, Maryland, and yeah. uh, right on the river. And they're like, yeah, it's totally, totally different type of humid down here. You get down to DC and what have you. And it's just, another world man but i don't yes, tell you that but uh so a lot a lot of good stuff coming up in the last 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 week's episode a lot of good stuff we've heard from john cena's episode and uh yeah a lot of good stuff that we we've made a couple headlines uh so not <laughs> just a couple yeah. just, a, just a couple two three <laughs> yeah um yeah so apparently the Things that I said about Ric Flair were brought up and, um, you know, picked up by the dirt sheets. And um, honestly, you know how they like to twist things this way and that way. Well, I just want to explain to everybody what I meant by what I said. And if you didn't hear what I said, I guess you can read the dirt sheets or you can go back and listen to our our last episode. But um, it was out of love for him is what what my comments were. I was just legit scared for him and still am until whatever happens, happens. and uh, I just, it, it was really nothing bad except it was me like acting like this guy who was is my father. is basically like the son looking out for his father. It's all that simply was. And uh, I love the guy. And, um, you know, we, we actually have had a little communication back and forth, me and Rick, and uh, things are fine. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's uh, you know, it was set out of love and, and just, just don't want anything to happen to the guy. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Just want to briefly touch on that before we get too, we, too engrossed into the episode. But, um, but, this week, we got a special episode this week. We're actually doing an episode on uh, Mr. Nick Aldis, a, uh, somebody that you're very familiar with. We'd actually are going to be bringing him in in about a half hour. Uh, so stay tuned to that. We're going to sit down and talk about a match between him and Marty Skrull that you refed in uh, the NWA for the uh, 10 pounds of gold when Nick was the heavyweight champion there at Crockett Cup 2019. Um, so definitely looking forward to that. I watched that match probably about three or four times in, in uh, preparation for this match or the show. So, but before that, we have to send it up to our first count of this episode. So this week we've had a number of interesting topics that we could definitely talk about, but I, I, I picked a couple that I uh, want to get your thoughts on. 
uh, Brian, is that Steffi McMahon has uh, officially taken a leave of absence for the majority of her responsibilities at WWE. Uh, she was quoted saying, WWE is a lifelong legacy for me, and I look forward to returning to the company that I love after taking this time to focus on my family. Uh, so a little context to that. I know uh, Triple H is back in the uh, office uh, working, so he's back as healthy as can be. Um, so I, I just think at this time, she's, you know, everybody needs a little time off sometimes, you know? Yeah, I mean, when I first heard this, I didn't really know exactly what to think about this. Mm -hmm. um, and I still don't really particularly know exactly what to think of it. But like you said, um, that, that schedule that WWE produces for, for, for their, their workers is a pretty, pretty hard grind. And um, I know that, you know, she's got family now. Um, but I just it just kind of seemed weird to me a little bit. Um, and I'm not trying to read in between the lines and make some news out of something that's not there. It's just. And maybe it is simply just her taking a step back, spending some time with the kids and maybe letting them feel a little bit of real life at home. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but I just I just also think that maybe there's something going on and I hope nothing bad at all. Right. Um, and I don't know if there is or not. And like once again, it could just be I need to take a step back and, and just get some R&R &R and spend some time yeah. with my kids. Yeah, and even they mentioned, too, that Nick Khan is uh, going to be taking over some of her responsibilities to kind of keep the day-to-day -day going as, as, as good as possible. Uh, now, when you were at the company with WWE, were you work, did you work close with Stephanie, or was that kind of like you just kind of dealt with her as, as needed? No, I didn't. I, I would I, Well, I wouldn't say I worked close with her. No, I worked with her and talked to her quite frequently, um, but it was generally at, you know, TVs and pay-per-views. So, and obviously with a couple past episodes, you remember we saying, I thought that she was the one that came up with the idea of the beatbox thing. So, so obviously there was conversation there and things like that, but no, Stephanie's always been very friendly to me and very um, uh, approachable, should I say. Uh, so, yeah, you know, just, just normal stuff, but nothing like, you know, always talking to her, nothing like that. Yeah, because if you believe anything that you see uh, online, because why not? You believe everything that you can see online. Um, a lot of people are speculating that this move has something to do with the possible buyout of WWE by, you know, any number of companies, whether it be Disney or, or Amazon or, you know, any of those major, major companies to buy them out. And I'm like, I'm just thinking, I'm like, why? But why? You, you, would, you would think that they want to keep it in the family unless there was just an offer out there that was too, uh, too hard to pass up. Well, I mean, I'm sure that if they had a sale of the, of the WWE, it would be very, very lucrative, uh, whoever were to buy it. Um, I've heard also the same kind of stuff you're hearing. Disney's always the one that pops up um, mm -hmm. that, that I hear. Uh, but I don't I – don't, I, so, so she takes the leave of absence and – Triple H comes back into the office. Uh, that's 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 a little weird too, um, because of the fact that okay, so if you're going home to spend time with your family, then then Triple H is part of your family. Um, right. I don't see him being at home a whole lot, going back right. into the office. So I don't know. It, it, it just could be where she just needs to hit the pause. You might be right. Hit the pause mm -hmm. button, get refreshed, and uh, come back. And but I don't even understand what her doing this would help or hurt a sale of a possibility of a sale for that company. Yeah. And like I said, I don't even know the details 
um, of what exactly Triple H is doing. I don't know if it's exactly what he was doing before um, or if it's something new or it's just basically an abbreviation of what he was doing before just to get his you know feet wet back into the, the run of the uh, run of the mill with the company. So I, like you said, it might just be a matter of, Hey, I'm just want to take a step back. Sometimes you just need time to breathe. And you know, who, who knows what's going to happen at this point, because I always thought that Stephanie was going to be that one that would um, just, that would be there all the time, you know, and, and who knows, maybe it's just something that she's going to have the phone on or whatever. And Hey, I'll just do it from here or whatever, you know, give you advice from here. Yeah, well, she definitely doesn't, you know, she, you would have to almost do something bad to Vince for him to not be at the, at the shows. I mean, uh, that, that guy's just resilient when it comes to working and being at everything and being in control of everything. Um, and I'm, I'm positive that she's quite, quite a bit like that as well. So I, I just, you know, just kind of mom boggled by it and not sure really how to take it, but. Like I said, I'm not trying to speculate anything. I'm not trying to make moves. I'm not, you know, just, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure that it's hitting the Paul's button. And I'm not sure if it's not something else, you know, it's just, sure. it's just a weird, weird, unique thing that's happened. And, uh, and who knows what their titles are. I mean, the titles are, you know, we know what their titles are, but who knows what entails as far as their job responsibilities and what they do. And so I don't even know exactly what she completely did there. Um, as far as, you know, in the office, mm-hmm. but, I don't know what that does to Nick either. Does that overwork him now at this point? I mean, you know, so just a weird thing, man, you know, out of, out of yeah. blue as well. Yeah. Cause it caught a lot of people off guard and obviously we hope that, uh, you know, everything's well and going well for her because obviously we don't want anything uh, bad to happen. Uh, hopefully it's like you said, hopefully it's just a matter of, Hey, I need a couple, couple of weeks off or what have you to kind of re recharge or what have you. Yeah. Uh, so somebody that, uh, it doesn't really need to be recharged are the, uh, the Usos. Um, Jimmy and Jay are the, now the unified tag team champions after beating Riddle and Orton on SmackDown last Friday. Uh, dude, these guys are badass. They're going, obviously, part of uh, Bloodline with Roman and Paul Heyman in charge of their, uh, their sta- little stable there. Uh, did you get a chance to watch that match or? I did get actually get to watch a little bit of it. Uh, not, a, not the whole thing. Uh, the ending of it or middle of the end of uh, it was a great match. True. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the bloodline is a fire, the whole thing. I mean, just yeah. the whole thing. Um, they've, they've, they've just got, they've got everything, man. All the momentum, the moves, the, the, the style, the look, uh, they're on fire. And Heyman does nothing but just give them more rub. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just so good. He's so talented in what he does and how he does it. Do you think that they'd be over as much as they are right now if it wasn't for Heyman? Um, that is a tough question. I'll tell you, um, I can't say no or yes, but I would only have to lean towards it gives them more. Yes. Heyman is a long time known, you know, wrestling guy. I mean, and everybody knows him. Um, so yes, I, I, I do think he has helped elevate him. Yes, absolutely. Well, and it's just, you get that family oriented. Like we've talked about it when we were talking about the rock there, they are part of that Samoan family, that lineage that goes back decades and decades. And it's just, I, I enjoy it because I saw them. I grew up watching them coming in. They kind of came in when I started really watching, watching the company um, because they came in. Were you still with the company when they came in? Usos? Yeah. No, we, I was not. No, because you, you probably were just out of it then because you, you probably just went over to, to TNA by then. There was probably like late 
mid uh, mid two thousands. Yeah, they. Um, I I remember them coming up though. Obviously, um, saw a lot of them when they were younger, but not wrestling. Um, but but did know them as kids. So I do have a little history with them. Now, do you? And the other side of it too. We'll bring Roman up too. Obviously, he played a key part in them winning the titles. Uh, in that in that match, you know, something that came out, I believe it was either today or yesterday, is rumor and innuendo once again is that The Rock does not have any movies or anything planned for the spring of 2023. Which a lot of people are speculating. Okay, we're gonna get Rock and Roman at WrestleMania. <sighs> is that something that you you really want to see? Because obviously, obviously he's 50 years old. He celebrated 50, 50 years old when he did the show on the 2nd of May. He's 50 years old. He still can go, I'm sure. But oh, yeah. do we really do, do we really want to see it, obviously? I do. Yeah. I mean, The Rock's in great shape. He doesn't look anywhere close to 50. Um, right. He's a huge mega blockbuster for any type of audience um tickets in the seats i mean it's a it's a win-win um i think they would both tell a great story uh there's a lot of story behind it that they can do um sure. yeah it's a, yes it's definitely something i wouldn't mind seeing um, I, don't, I don't think 50 has anything to do with it really right do, do you think uh, with, with roman there being in that bloodline pun intended um with with the rock do you see him really becoming I don't want to compare him to the rock, but do you think that Roman is, has become that draw similar to what rock was and is? No, no, I don't know. No. Um, he's, he, he's done very well. Let's put it that way, but he, he's not, he, no, he is not the rock. I mean, in other words, I know you're not saying he's the rock. I'm saying sure. he's, he's not a comparable topic right at this point. He's mm-hmm. done very, very well though, but the rock is the rock man. And you know, he's, 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 that's hard to do, man, to be the, someone like The Rock as far as what he did when he was at the top of his game and at the top of the roster and the champion and all that stuff. He, he, that's a tough, tough – that's a tough hill to climb. Yeah. But Roman's done well. Man. You know, another guy that done has done very well for himself is Mr. Nick Aldis, and uh, we're going to get into that just after this short break and send it up to our second count. <laughs> So with Mr. Nick Aldis, a better place than start is the beginning. Uh, Started his debut there in 2004 in the British Independent Circuit. Uh, Then he came to the company, which was TNA at that time in 2008. So you were pretty much right there at the beginning of his his run there. Uh, And he was there for quite some time. He was there for seven years with the TNA. Yeah, he was actually the first British-born world champion in TNA history, which yeah, I found in, I found very interesting. In all the years that they the company has been in existence, he was the first British-born world champion. Yeah, he did very very well, man. Um, he started out of the gate pretty slow, and people didn't really know quite how to take him in, in, in TNA at the time. But you have to remember, mm-hmm. British British stars were were kind of new there, um, and, and back in that time as well. Uh, but he, he, he really, really just grew and uh, became a big star, man, really, um, in, in a short time. Yeah. No, he was a, a three-time tag team champion in TNA. Um, both uh, twice of uh, those reigns were with 
Doug Williams as members of the British Invasion. Did you have a chance to work with any of their matches with Doug and, and Nick? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They were um, they were a very technical tag team, um, in and out, tagging and out, in and out. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. And uh, really good, really a crisp team as well. They, everything was crisp, snug, uh, but they really worked well together. Doug was a hell of a worker. Well, and he's still going. He's, he's there in the NWA now with uh, tagging with uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. Oh, Harry wow. Smith or Harry Smith, excuse me. Okay. <laughs> they go egos either. He goes both by both names, obviously. But um, but yeah, man, it's just it, it's one of the things you get that slow, slow start to it, and then um he leaves TNA here in 15 and signs with Jeff Jarrett's promotion there, Global Force Wrestling. So I, they worked fairly close together, though, weren't they? Global Force and TNA. Well, no, there was a that, that, that was a weird little weird little thing there. So Jeff literally went and did that on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, Global Force. I mean, he 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 really saw things another way. Obviously, that was really going to push them, and they did these shows in India, I believe it was. Right. And um, it was huge over there. And this was no, this was not part of TNA. Uh, this was actually Global Force Wrestling, and that's it. I mean, it later became where we partnered to to do, you know, the Forbidden Door gimmick, sure. um, whatever the heck that means at this point in life. Um, but but yeah, so that was its own identity, the Global Force Wrestling thing. I actually was going to do some stuff with it as well, I, I, and at you know, then we weren't held to contracts where we could only do exclusive stuff for whatever it may be but we were told you know no ring of honor no wwe global mm-hmm. force wrestling was not big enough to be put in the contract at that point in time so i was able to do that but back then when jeff first got it going it was um it was something that you really needed to think about doing because you know then he didn't have a whole lot of money to put into it as far as pay for the for the roster and right. especially for a referee you know what i mean I, you know that's so um i never did get to work with them but I, like i said I, I i talked about it talked with jeff actually uh, about working with them and um it just it just didn't work out financially for me it didn't make a lot of sense for me at that time uh but but man it it, it looked like it had legs like it was going to grow it really did yeah. and nick was a big part of his uh future for it yeah because he was the first uh, the inaugural global force wrestling global global champion and became the longest reigning champion in that the title's history uh, and, and before, before he jumped back to TNA in 17, 2017, uh, are you surprised that both TNA in 2015 then global force wrestling here in 2017, and then even going forward to that, we'll get to that in a little bit too, but, uh, were you surprised that they basically strapped the rocket to Nick's back and said, Hey, let's take this, let's ride this horse to the wheel, the, the, <laughs> the wheels fall off kind of thing. I mean, at first, I'm not gonna lie. I was a little, a little surprised, but not, not that it was just him. Just, just the fact that they did it to him at, when they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when he changed gears and became Nick Aldis, and not at that time Magnus. Correct. Mm-hmm. So he just, he just really changed the way he approached walking to the ring, talking in the ring, his wrestling. Um, the, the psychology, all of that stuff all changed. Yeah. Um, and that was just him growing, just him growing. And um, after, you know, I would say after about four months, I was like, oh, wow, they did the right thing here. 
yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So I, I really think too, cause I really got to uh, know Nick as far as the interim worker, right, right about here in 17, uh, about 16, 17, when he really started, you know, started here with global forest, went to TNA and then eventually making it here to, um, to the NWA. And at that time was new with Billy Corgan as uh, their uh, new owner. So, do you think that with Billy saying, Hey, you're going to be my guy. And he's lasted this long, the longevity that Nick has had over so many years. Not at all. Um, Billy Corgan is a old school promoter, basically uh, with his thinking. And I think that he saw a huge star in Nick. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that he really, he really entrusted Nick as well, because you have to remember, you know, Billy was starting this thing from the ground up, even though the NWA has a long legacy, you know, this was still starting it from the ground up and bringing it back to life. And I think, I think that he saw Nick as the perfect guy to bring it back to life. So, you know, I, I I am not surprised at that at all. And Nick was really, you know, had a lot going on with him, you know, at that point in time, had some, you know, had some history, um, and also had built a name for himself. So it wasn't like you were just grabbing somebody off the street, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, he's, and I think he just has so many good years ahead of him too, because it's just when anybody thinks, Hey, NWA 10 pounds of gold automatically to me, currently they think they all this, the guy yes. that runs the place, you know, and I think I can't, obviously, you know, him a lot better than I do, but I, to me, he just seems like that guy that, you know, that old ball player mentality of saying, Hey, I'm going to be the first one in to turn the lights on in the morning. And I'm going to be the last one out turning the lights off at night. And no, he, he is. seems like that guy. He is that guy. Um, here's another thing, you know, to me. And I mean, for those of you at home, sit around and think this too, you know, or think about it. So Nick Aldis, the when and if I don't need, you know, does he the champion now in NWA or no? No, he is actually um, challenging oh. Matt Cardona on the 11th uh, okay. for the NWA. Matt Cardona is the champion. He beat, he beat, he beat Nick. Or no, excuse me. He beat um, Trevor Murdoch. Excuse me. I remember that now. Okay, I remember that. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but could you imagine if he were still or was back in the day? Well, let's imagine it that way. Not back in the day, but how long, you know, six, seven, eight months, maybe a year ago, wherever he was. Um can you think of all the possibilities of matchups with him versus people in other companies? If that forbidden door oh, were yeah. to be open, I mean, my God, it, it, it would just be amazing. Um, I could just think of so many storylines like for, for us, for impact where we could sure. use them and just make some intriguing TV. And I know other companies could do the same thing. You know what I mean? So um, I just, uh, it, he fits that title, that title fits him and it fits well for each other. Yeah. Uh, the company, I think, is a, is a is a more, I would say, uh, higher on the ladder when he's that champion, and that's what you want to be when you are a champion. Sure. No, I get that. Now, with the way that he's came up with the NW, or excuse me, the first with TNA, Global Force, Impact, all that. Do you think he's going to be known as the guy from Impact? Or do you think he's going to be known as the guy that the NWA guy, the head, the 10 pounds of gold, you know, the, the dealer, you know, 
all that good stuff. Do you think he's going to be known for his NWA run instead of the uh, impact? I think that the people will more likely remember what he's done in NWA before they would impact mm-hmm. uh, because, because it was such, such a, a big long reign. I mean, this, this was a huge reign as far as him holding that NWA title world title. Um, don't get me wrong. They're going to remember the impact part too, but they're going to probably mention that in the conversation and talk about what he's done in the NWA, in my opinion. Sure. Yeah. Because him and um, Doug, even there um, won the uh, IWGP tag team championships when they defeated team 3d and on impact and on July the 30th in 2009. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, new Japan didn't recognize that as a, a, a title change and they ended up wrestling and they lost them back to quote unquote, lost them back to team T3d. Um, are you surprised that he didn't make that many runs over across the, across the pond over there and uh, across the pond, excuse me, <laughs> across the world there into Japan. Um, not really, not really. I mean, would it have been something they could have done? Yeah, sure. It made a lot of money. Absolutely. I don't know quite how that uh, that booking type stuff works as far as the, the Japan stuff. And what was maybe you could tell the fans why would they not recognize that as they went as they win for their belts? Well, I just it wasn't. I guess from what I my research, it just wasn't. They said it wasn't recognized. So I don't know if it was storyline wise. Uh, I'd have to go back and watch, watch the match. But uh, in the research that I have in front of me, it just says it wasn't recognized as a, a legit title switch. So I don't know if it was a matter of it had to go through new Japan, like legitimate, whether it was a shooter or work or whatever. Knowing the uh, old TNA, knowing the old TNA, it was probably a matter of a, it wasn't done on, on their soil. B it wasn't an approved match where they were okay with the knowledge of it and approved the finish. Mm-hmm. That's probably what it was, and probably because three, Team 3D were probably under some sort of deal with New Japan. So that probably had all the play into it because, like I said, the old TNA probably didn't even check into it. Right. So he would later become the TNA World uh, – uh, Go. excuse me. He would become a, a uh, entrant to become the new heavyweight champion in TNA in 2013. Um, just f- having great matches, he defeated uh, – Samoa Joe and false gone anywhere match at turning point and Kurt angle and an impact taping to advance to the finals. So they're really putting a lot into him. If he, they're having him really take out the, uh, t- these two guys. Yeah. You know I mean, mean, well, yeah, you have to, if you're going to put somebody, as you said, or on a rocket per se, you have to have him beat, valuable people that you probably wouldn't have thought he would be. Sure. And that's what gives him legs. And that's what will make him a bigger guy to make people believe that this guy is your champion. So yeah, you know, putting, putting him over with quality wins is, is just part of building somebody and building a character. And that's what they were simply going. So o- over a lot of time, whether it be impact TNA, global force, NWA, what have you, you've seen him do a lot of heel and face work too. Do you really think he, me personally, I think he works better as a heel. No doubt. No question. But I think he's, uh, he's good. He's, he's very good regardless. He's going to make you believe one way or the other. There's no in between. If you know, Nick, if you know, Nick, Nick is a heel period. Oh yeah. I mean, he's, he's a he, good guy, but 
he's a heel. And uh, obviously we'll get to some stuff, I'm sure, when uh, Nick comes onto the program. But uh, but no, he, he's, he's a heel. And he's uh, he does do good babyface work. But it's just mm-hmm. you can tell that it's, uh, to me, that it's more forced than it is natural when he's a heel. Sure. Uh, do you – everybody wants – likes to talk about the Mount Rushmore of this, Mount Rushmore of that. When it comes to legitimate NWA heavyweight champions of all time, do you put uh, Nick Aldis on that list of short list of best of all time? He's up there for sure. Um, right. I, I just, it's, it's really hard to put him ahead of some of these great champions they've had in previous hundreds of years ago. I mean, you know, you, you know, Ric Flair, Harley race, uh, people like that. I mean, it's, 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 it's tough to, to say that he's the best. And, uh, I'm not saying he's not, but in my opinion, if I was to, you know, rate him, I would say he would be, um, one of the top NWA world champions. Um, yes, of all time, but not maybe the best. Mm-hmm. Ric Flair's just done so much with that belt and so many things. And, um, you know, Nick, as, as it has as well, but it just really meant way more back then the way that Rick went around and just, you know, just defended that title everywhere, every single where. And Nick did do a good job of that. I think there was something that they were called, uh, uh, he was, he was actually going around and defending. I can't remember what the name was they had come up with, but it was really cool. Um, the journey of Nick or something like that. And they oh, did. A, um, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I can't, I, not yet. It, it escapes my mind too. Now it was the whole, the NWA, the, uh, the uh, little series I had, it was like yes. 10 pounds of gold series or something. Yeah. Well, the 10 pounds of gold series was where they covered it and all that. And, that, and that's amazing to watch, by the way, if you guys want to mm-hmm. go back and watch that. I mean, that thing was wow. Just um, edited and put together so well production wise. It was awesome and amazing to watch, man. I actually thought, um, um, uh, I was in some of that footage, by the way. Me and, me and Nick were traveling together for some shows, and uh, they uh, had a cameraman with us, and um, actually Dave Lagana, I believe, and um, filmed some stuff for that. I don't know where I am in it, um, but, but yeah, we did something. Yeah. Uh, so at the end of the day, we're talking legacy with Nick Aldis. What do you? What makes him unique? from every other wrestler in this business, what has kept him in the longevity as long as he's had, is it just the smarts? Is it just, he's in good shape? Is it, well, what is it in your eyes? Well, he's a, he's a very smart human being. Very, very smart. Uh, Nick, Nick could be one of the smartest guys I know, honestly. Um, especially when it comes to wrestling as well, but the guy is, is, is so into being in shape and taking care of his body. Um, a nutritionist is also what he is. I mean, he, um, he has a book that he's got put out, uh, about, you know, being in shape and bodybuilding. Um, and he can touch on that as well, you know, as far as that book goes. Um, but, but no, it's also the way he works. I mean, you don't see him doing a bunch of high flying stuff. You don't see him taking a bunch of crash and burns through two and three tables and chairs and ladders and all that stuff. He, he, he tells story and he puts on a, a, a hell of a performance. So I think a lot of that all combined into one ball, uh, makes this guy going to be around for a long, long time. And plus, you know, Nick's, Nick's a young guy. He's not, a, he's not an older guy. I mean, he started really, really young. Right. So let's take a brief break. Let's send it up to our buddy, Jared Fritz, uh, for the short break. And we'll be right back with our third count. 
Could you use a little lifestyle change? Would having a personal coach to help you along the way be what you're looking for? How about checking out Avacare independent distributor, Jared Fritz? Not only is Jared a referee for the NWA, but he has been in the health and wellness industry for over 18 years. He's worked with a range of people from Olympic athletes to professional wrestlers to the average everyday person. But why Advocare? Established and running strong since 1993, Advocare has had a variety of products from weight management, sports performance, and overall health. Advocare products are developed by a scientific medical advisory board who are committed to make sure the products are safe and effective. Need more of a reason to consider Advocare? As some of the sports endorsers, such as Jason Witten, Rich Froning, or a national spokesperson, Drew Brees. If you are ready for a jump start or are looking for information, just reach out to Jared on Twitter at jfritzreffit, Instagram at jared.fritz, or visit the website at leadyourbetterlifestyle.com. Advocare, helping you look, feel, and perform better. Brian, we have the man, the myth, the legend himself in studio with us right now. Well, one of the studios anyways. He's the man. He's the soon-to-be NWA heavyweight champion when he beats the crap out of Matt Cardona on June the 11th. He's the one. He's the only Mr. Nick Aldis. Nick, thanks for showing up and coming on the show today. No problem. Thank you for having me, RJ. I'm uh, always happy to do a favor for Brian Hebner, my favorite zebra. Yeah. Now, see, I, I can I can isolate that right now, Brian. I can send it over to you. You can put it on every ringtone that uh, that you have. Oh, it's definitely going to be recorded, and it's definitely going to be thrown in <laughs> Earl Hebner's face you first. Guys, thanks very much. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> we can't we can't beat that. <laughs> Brian's like, I think we're good. I think we got everything we need. We got everything we need. We're good. Thank you, man. Um, but no, seriously, man. I, I know I know you're a busy guy. You got a lot of good stuff coming up here in June. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, uh, the people who always ready there. Love the story that you guys have been building with uh, with Matt and yourself um, coming up here. And it's at, in Nashville, correct? Knoxville. Oh, Knoxville. Excuse me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Knoxville. So it'd be a new uh, new town for the NWA in the uh, in the Lightning One era. So yeah, I'm interested to see how it turns out. I think it should be good. Because yeah. it's just one thing that I've always liked about the NWA um, from the beginning is just the storylines that you have it's unmatched with any other company i think just between whether it was um the match we're soon to talk about here with you and marty um from crockett cup or you and cody or you pretty much you and anybody because uh, you're the man to beat in my eyes um is that something that you guys wanted to start when you brought the nwa back there with billy um i think my approach was uh, it's always easier to try to get people invested in one match than it is to to 
sort of come right out of the gate and say, look, here's a whole show and here's a whole set of storylines you need to follow. You know, um, I, I, I feel like wrestling booking works best when it's kind of booked from the top down. Um, I think, you know, if, if too much effort is made all the time to make the company, the draw, you know, or the brand, the draw, as opposed to having like a sort of a bit of a hierarchy, it's, you know, everything starts to feel the same and you, so you don't have a lot, you have, you miss out on a lot of opportunities to, you know, make special moments because I'm not saying it has to be one person all the time. I just say there has to be, there has to be one true sort of definitive uh, focal point, I think. Um, and so I think with us in that, in that respect, um, it was easy because we didn't, we only had one storyline. You know, we had one match that we were building to at a time to start with. Like the whole focus of the brand was just about the NWA championship. You know, it was just about the 10 pounds of gold. That's why, you know, that's why we called the series that because it was like, this is a series about the oldest, you know, um, uh, and, and most historic world heavyweight championship in wrestling and the person who currently has it and the people who are currently going after it. And it was so simple and so, you know, instead of having, instead of having to go, the NWA is back and we're going to have a roster and we're going to have a show and we're going to revolutionize the business and blah, 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 blah right? It, 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 you know, people would have been like, okay, here we go. Yeah. But if you just make it like, hey, it's the NWA title. It's the same belt that Flair and Dusty and, you know, Harley and Dory Funk Jr. And, you know, that's suddenly everyone's like, okay, oh yeah, that's interesting. Oh yeah, okay. And you know, prize fighting, like boxing and MMA, you know, that's their approach too. They, it, it, the whole thing is based on, you know, in, in boxing, it's like the world championship, right? You know, it, and uh, so I just sort of lifted a lot of that principle. That was sort of my approach was to, was to really, and to make it, and to do it in a way where we weren't trying to insult anyone's intelligence um, and just kind of going, look, this is two guys Sometimes they, they may like each other. Sometimes they may not. Sometimes they may hate each other's guts, you know, but what's important is they both want to be the world champion. Like that has to come first. Quick question for you, Nick. I've always wondered this. I could have actually asked you at some point, but what better time than now? Um, so your first world title that you won was the TNA world title, correct? Yeah. All right. So then you went on to win the NWA. Mm -hmm. Can you compare to me the feeling between the two? In other words, are you more prouder of your first world title win as opposed to winning the NWA world title? Or did the NWA title mean more to you because of the, the legacy of the belt? Which way do you fall there? So I would say the occasion of, of winning the, the TNA world title was bigger, like to me, because uh, it, you know, you I was on the same roster as, Kurt Angle, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, Bobby Roode, Samoa Joe, you know, and, and I'm winning the world title. So that to me, and it was, you know, and it was on worldwide television. Like people can, people, people always seem to give uh, TNA a hard time when they were, you know, for, for that peak period. But it's like they were doing 2 million viewers consistently on Spike TV, prime time. You know, it's like I was, and, and I was there, right there, and I, you know, and it was on Spike TV. So, you know, millions of people saw it and people around the world, and it was a big deal in the UK. And, the, and you know, we ended up throwing an impromptu, like, 
kind of world title party almost like me and JB came back, um, came to England for Christmas that year. And like, and he was like, Hey, you want to do a fan party? And I was like, sure. And it was packed like, and it became this kind of big deal because the, the British media kind of picked up on me winning that belt and made a big deal of it. So I would say that now the flip side of that is I, the work, the NWA world title means more to me because of the lineage, but it's, it's, it's more important to me because of what I was able to do with it to get it to, you know, to sort of put it back in the, in the consciousness of the wrestling business. Right. So do you know, do you know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. it was, it, it, you know, look, when I, the first time I won it, I, I beat Tim Storm at a CZW show in, you know, in, in New York or whatever it was or in Philly. <clears throat> so, you know, not, not, not exactly my cup of tea, um, but you know, more power to him. But like, it's not, it, it wasn't like I was sitting there like, oh, this is it, you know, but you know, winning it in a TV main event with Jeff Hardy, obviously, it's, you know, whole different ball game. So, but what I was then able to do, but then you contrast that with uh, a year later, less than a year later after, you know, winning the, the NWA title, it's like me and Cody are stood face to face in, in, you know, and it's sold out building and it ends up being, a real sort of milestone event in wrestling. So yeah, it, it, I'd say that the occasion was bigger for the TNA one for me, but the, but the NWA title weight means way more to me. So with that being said, between the TNA, the NWA, there's, to me, there's a common denominator with that. And that's, uh, you know, Jeff Jarrett too, also, how has he impacted your career, both in TNA global force, and even now we see him being a part of the main event there with yourself and Matt. Yeah. Um, Jeff, uh, Jeff was always in my corner. You know, it's not like he was, it wasn't like he was beating the drum, like, Oh, you know, this is the guy, you know, you've got to, you've got to push him. You've got to get with him. I don't mean that, but, I, but I mean that uh, even you know, when I first came into TNA, keep in mind that I was very heavily painted as a Dixie Carter guy because I was, you know, she, she really was the one that was, that was like, I want to sign this guy and I'm going to make a big fuss and I'm going to make it happen. Uh, and I did, you know, and that did not necessarily serve me, do me any favors, you know, with, with my peers, you know, well, there was not, it was not, not anything I asked for, but in spite of that, Jeff was still, you know, kind of, uh, in my corner and, and, would you know give me advice and then when um when the when the Hogan and Bischoff era began I you know they had no plans for me I was sort of you know I was was barely factored into their I barely even entered their thoughts uh and Jeff was the one who was like he landed the India deal which you know the Rinka King show (laughs) which it's funny because it's like we we think we look back on it and laugh but it's like you know, I was I was in the main event of that show, and it was there were eighty million people watching it um, in India. So it's nuts. But, um, and uh, but he sort of came to me and said, "They're completely missing the boat with you. They don't they don't know what they're doing with you. I want you for this India thing, and I want to I want to make you a really big part of the show, and you know, let you you know main event and be in the be the champion, because I want them to see, you know, what they need to be." put you know planning for down the road with you 
Um, and that's, you know, <laughs> people can say whatever they want about like, oh, it's, it's talent and hard work and, you know, you can't stop. It's like, no, you need someone, you need someone pulling for you as well. Like, and I'm, I'm very aware of that. Like you need someone who, who, who sees what you see. Cause we all see the best version of ourselves. You know, we all think I should be in a bigger spot. I should be, you know, in the main event, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. But you, you, you got to, it doesn't matter if you can't get anyone else to share that belief with you. Mm. Um, so Jeff was, you know, he was the first one to do that. And then when, um, I finished up with TNA and, you know, again, sort of a bit of a roller coaster kind of situation there, you know, I had a high and then a, a low. He again was the first guy to be like, uh, I'm starting a new company. You're coming with me. I, you know, and I want to build it all around you. So again, it was like another, another sort of, uh, another vote of confidence. Um, and, you know, it's at that, and I think that because of those things, by the time Billy came along, you know, and, and buys the NWA, it's like he's he's noticed. Like whenever you know Jeff, you know, he was world champion at Impact, but whenever Jeff Jarrett's got you know so, like got a, a, a project, it's like he's always he's a, he's like one of the first phone calls, and that kind of stuff follows you around, you know. You, you, and and that was basically what happened with Billy is, uh, you know, I got a phone call and he kind of described his vision um, and what he wanted to do with the, with the NWA. And, and I kind of described what I wanted to do with my career and how, you know, how I was being presented and they meshed, you know, simple as that. So, so Nick, um, something that me and you've actually talked about, so I know your response, but I think it's a very interesting one. And it's always been something that, has really like fucked with me, like as far as the way that you've been misinterpreted by by people as far as this. And you can go into detail as much as you want, nothing, you know, however much you want to do. But I feel like you've gotten the, the shorthand on, on in certain aspects of this wrestling world, meaning this. Me personally, I think you're you're talented enough to have been and conquered WWE. I think that you should have been one of the first calls in AEW. I think that you should be uh, multiple TNA world uh, champion. I just think that there's been many things that hasn't been presented to you like others sometimes. And I just feel like it's not fair because, um, and and I know why, because we've talked about it, but can you give me any details that you want to put in? Why? Like somebody would say, well, why has it Nick been to WWE? Because he's been to the NWA and just ruled the roost. And uh, he went to TNA and came from be, by beating guys like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe to become a world champion. Like those are the things that like piss me off that. Well, I think it's a few, uh, uh, you know, who, who look, you know, you can, you can do everything right. But if you, but if one person, you know, isn't, isn't a, a fan and, and, and that person happens to be important enough. It's like that, that's pretty much the end of that. Um, so I try not to, you know, lose too much sleep over it, to be honest, but uh, I guess, uh, you know, I guess if I'm being self-reflective, I think that there's also, um, there's also the fact that I did, I did still sort of carry a little bit of that stigma of like, I, I got, handed a lot of stuff and was pushed and you know and so on and so forth and it's like people are very quick to forget all of the periods where you weren't being pushed you right. know and all the periods where you took 
chicken salad, you know, chicken shit and my chicken salad. Right. Uh, they, they're very quick to forget those things. And, uh, you know, as soon as they're ready to, that's just the nature of people and especially wrestling fans. Like they, they want, they love to build people up, but then they love to tear them down as well. So look, uh, you'd ask 10 different people that question and they'd give you 10 different answers. Yep. So it's, uh, you know, ultimately, um, it does me no good to, to spend any time worrying about it. And I'm also very aware of the fact that everything could change tomorrow in this business. You know, there are so many things that happen all the time that people went by and never thought I'd see the day that they'd be doing, you know, that they did that or this happened or that happened. Um, so. Very fair. Yeah. You know, so something else that I never thought I'd, uh, I, I'd see down the road would happen here. Like we mentioned at Crockett Cup 2018, you're putting your 10 pounds of gold on the line against Marty Skrull, guy that you've been up and down the roads with over in the UK. Um, Storyline we mentioned, this was one of those things where you had to sit down face to face, old school kind of mentality. Is that kind of something that you wanted to bring to this this match with that old school mentality? I, I don't, I, I, you know, that, that word gets thrown around a lot. People say old school. Um, so like, I don't old school for me pertains more to, um, like a certain style of wrestling or, or, um, or presentation, but like, to me, it's, you know, it's like having, having an intense, um, you know, one-on-one conversation or doing, you know, things in a more structured sort of format like that and building it like the way we did with, you know, with, with um, candid interviews as opposed to just promos, right. And stuff like that. To me, that's, that's just the way that I approach the business, you know, and I actually, I think in a lot of ways that's, it's less old school and more kind of innovative because it's, it's not something that people would do very often. And we kind of did it for a while. We did that exclusively. That's all we did, you know, was create compelling, um, you know, content that just tells a story. Like, right. but it's a story of two people. So for me, it's like, look, I'm always going to advocate for that approach because I've benefited from it you know, firsthand, like I, um, nobody, you put, you know, Nick Aldis versus Tim Storm is going to be, you know, broadcast live on Facebook or YouTube or whatever. It's like with no, with none of that, with none of the 10 pounds of gold stuff and none of the media we did, everyone goes and, you know, but, <laughs> but, right. But you, but, by the time we got there, it was, there was kind of like, I'm kind of interested in this. And this like, this is a, this is different. It's a weird approach. And I, you know, I'm really curious to, you know, what this is all about. And like, I'm kind of digging this Tim Storm guy. And so I've just, I've seen it work. And then obviously the, the biggest example is, you know, with me and Cody, it's like, again, people forget this. Like if, if you just said, Oh, they're all in, you know, Cody's going to wrestle Nick Aldis, like without the NWA title and without the whole, you know, without everything that I'd done, we'd done with 10 pounds of gold and everything prior to that, everyone would have been like, what? Like, that's a random match, you know, but by the time, you know, it's happening and he says, oh, I'm going to be the one challenging. So immediately people are going, holy shit. And 
you know, we built it in such a way and we lent on the history of it with Dusty and it was all real. Like, I can't, it just, you know, I just, I feel so condescending when I talk about it because, it, but I guess, but I guess I do have to articulate it because so many, so few people seem to understand this in wrestling now, but it's like, I just always try to make it feel as real as possible. Yeah. I thought that, I thought that was, I thought everybody was, you know, I thought we were all on the same page with that one, but I guess not. It was like, I just try to do it in a way that is realistic. So Nick, not just in the ring. It's like the whole, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's the whole, the whole package needs to be that way. So, so Nick, um, for, for, for me, this is me personally, not, I'm sure you're going to agree. And if you don't, that's fine. Um, <clears throat> for this match, you know, that they build from friends to enemies is what the, mm. the thing was entailed and built around. Yeah. I, I just felt like that day. Um, Cause I just remember very, very vividly um, meeting with you, uh, meeting with Marty. And um, I just remember this being probably on all honesty, one of the most intense matches I've actually really been involved in. And I don't know if you feel that way as well. That's, that's cool of you to say, because you've refereed some all-time classics, you know. But, uh, well, I just felt like there was a different vibe that day. I yeah. feel like um, I feel like you were, I think you were trying to maybe say to ever, to the world, because this was a big moment, I think, for, for the NWA at this time. And also, I would say, I have to say with Marty, that was like the open door, the, the whatever yeah, the yeah. fuck they call that shit now. But um, it just felt like there was two people working so hard to, to, to prove right. their own right. worth. And then I understand course, that. Yep. And then, of course, yeah. you know me, I'm going to give my all when I know when, what's, what's going on and the importance of something. So I just that intensity and all that that night was just so... Like, oh, my God. And I think the yeah, whole thing feel it. I think what it was, was we created a situation where, uh, well, again, first and foremost, like, if you're doing it right, by the time you get to the ring, you really, you know, you, the, the, the show day, you really hope that um, people, A, want to see a specific winner, whether, whether that's you or your opponent, and B, uh, are not entirely sure of what the outcome is going to be. Right. You know, those are the two, you know, because it doesn't matter if they don't know what the outcome is. This is where it's, this is something where like, I get, I get frustrated with some booking is, is like, um, you'll kind of ask like, why, you know, what's the, what's the decision, but you know, what's the reasoning behind this decision? Oh, well, people won't expect it. You know, I've been, you know, we, we've been told that for years. I used to be told yeah. that in TNA all the time, but well, no, nobody will nobody will see it coming bro and it's like right but nobody will see it coming because nobody wants to see it coming <laughs> nobody, <laughs> you know it doesn't matter if it's a surprise if it's if they don't if it's about something they don't give a shit about right so you that you know so part one is like um and on the you know and, and on the flip side of that if everybody wants to see a certain person win but they also know that it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to win that's no good either Mm -hmm. You need people to really want to see one of the two participants win and you need them to, to not be fully sure of, you know, what the outcome is going to be. Those are the two elements. And I thought that in that match, that's what we achieved because I think what I always tried to do as well is I'm aware of the fact that some people are suspending their disbelief 
And some people are looking at it from the, you know, smart mark kind of behind the scenes internet fan perspective where they're trying to make predictions based on like facts, you know, based on sort of what they know about what's going on behind the scenes. Oh, well, you know, they're probably going to put the title on Marty because, you know, Ring of Honor have probably made a deal, you know, and all that kind of thing, right? You, and like with Cody, everyone went, well, there's no way Cody's going to lose on this show. Oh, but are they really, is, is, you know, are the NWA really going to put the belt on Cody when he doesn't work for them? So immediately we had this, this you know, dichotomy, right, of, of fact, because, and so now they go, well, there's only one way to find out, right. you know, and, uh, and I always, I've always tried to, you know, as much as it might be annoying that that exists, it's like you may as well just embrace it and use it. That's what I always tried to do. It's just another part of the business now. Like you have to think of things from the perspective of people who are solely suspending disbelief. And you have to think of it from the perspective of the ones who are, you know, armchair experts. You can still work them. (laughs) (laughs) So So one more thing. No, 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 you're good. You're good. Um, So one more thing. So uh, what did you think about uh, Tommy Young uh, doing the... uh, I, I loved everything about that match. Let me just start there. Like, like the way we built it, the the entrances, the, the the giant banners, like the Rocky Rocky style banners. I was like, this is so freaking cool. Like, and um, you know, and I think I think you're right. I think you nail on the head as usual. You've, you've always been one of the most perceptive guys in the business, and it was it was that. I think it was two people who were kind of proving a point. Like we we drew this house. We like created the anticipation for this pay per view event. We earned this, and we're go- and now we're going to show you why. That's I think the way we both looked at it. And obviously, look when you're that you know he and I obviously have known each other and wrestled each other so many times that it was like there was you know the other great thing you need is trust. And uh, like all my best matches, you were the referee. So Thank like, you. we put well, let's be honest. I put a lot on you in that match. Like I gave you a shit ton to remember, you know, I'd gave you a lot of responsibilities and that's, and you know, and I, and it's like, there wasn't, and the the only reason I did that was because there was, I had zero doubt, you know, that, that you wouldn't be there for all of it. And I couldn't count on you, you know? And I mean, I, for me, once, you know, when I really started to appreciate Um, how important a referee is was when I was the TNA champion. And if you remember, we had a TV taping in Manchester. Oh yeah. yeah. And I had like something insane, like five promo segments, like two backstage pre-tapes and then a ladder match, like a tag team ladder match or something. I think it was. And then I had to go out and, and then on the second show, I had to go wrestle uh, Gunner in a uh, um, three-segment main event match. Yeah. And like, at, we just do this ladder match. Now I'm like, I'm getting pulled in like 20 different directions. For like Dixie wants to do this pre-tape again, and this and that to the point where I had to go, Dixie, I have to go out and wrestle a three-segment match. Like, <laughs> I'm not I'm like. I'm not Ric Flair, you know what I mean? Like, I need time to prepare, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, it's, you can't just fucking, you know, throw something like that together, not with a guy that green, especially, but both guys were green, both of us were green. So it's like, 
but I just remember you being like, give me the, you know, give me the meat and potatoes. And I remember saying to you, can I, can I tell you these like five key words? And you were just like, yep, got it. Boom, 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 boom. Like, and it, instantly, um, it sort of clicked with me. Like, oh, that's, I, I'm, I immediately feel so much more confident now to just yeah. go out there and just kind of let it, you know, let loose because I'm, you know, and it, and it just, and it just, it was in that moment, I kind of went, why haven't I been doing this the whole fucking time? <laughs> you know, but then after that, I always did, you know, and it's like, that's how I, you know, got better, right? Like, that's how you become a better worker is, is you know, figuring out for yourself, like how to best do all this shit. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and especially with this match too, when you've known Marty for so long, it just becomes second nature. We've wrestled each other so many times, and it's just the psychology of the ring work with Marty pretending that, that Camille trips him, she gets tossed, and right. everybody had that. Oh, well, Camille's gonna you know win it for Nick like she has before, this or that. And I'm like, okay, well, now yeah, she's we, out. We, so yeah, we we took him in a lot of different directions, but never in a way that was silly or or insulting people's intelligence it wasn't like turning heel then turning back baby face then turning heel you know like it wasn't like that it was right she got kicked out but she got kicked out so that was a pop but she got kicked out because marty cheated and pretended that that she tripped him so i was trying to get you know in the people's minds it's like well he's got a bit of an unfair advantage because he's got this he's got camille at ringside but then now he's sort of well that was that wasn't the most honorable way to do that but it achieves something. So, you know, we're immediately presenting the audience with a bunch of different sort of ambig ambiguous sort of circumstances that they can go, I liked it or I didn't like it. But either way, I'm like, I'm emotionally invested because, you know, the, most of the people in the building that night wanted to see a new champion. But there was a contingent of fans who were also like rooting for me and behind me because they they saw themselves as NWA fans first. So they wanted to support me because I was the NWA brand, you know, wow. and um, so that's another, that's another element to it. But I think most importantly, it was just like, it's just two guys who uh, both, not only both um, agreed and understood the story that, that they wanted to be told, but we both wanted to tell that story exactly the same way. There was, you know, there, there, there was no, there was like, that's a, that's a huge thing that it's a hugely important element of um, working with someone is like, ultimately, if, if one person has a different vision of what the story should be to the other, you're never going to quite get every bit out of it that you could. But if on those rare occasions where both guys are like, this is the best story to tell. Like if we do that story together this way, that's going to be the outcome and people are going to go nuts. Like, like again, like I'll use Cody as the example. Like when we did, you know, all in, you know, like I knew, I knew just as well as he did, like there's, there's one outcome to this and, you know, for the moment, right. Like, and I'm going to do, I'm going to play my part. And in, in the case of the, the Crockett cup match, it was, they, they're expecting this, but we're going to, you know, that was, a, we'd, we felt like, uh, you know, it's, look, I, it's, I don't want to say that 
it was this sort of major decision. It was it was just sort of again he he and I both knew and felt like that where we, where we were at that point in time uh, he, we benefited each other. He could be perceived as a guy who could hang in a heavyweight sort of main event, um, and I you know proved myself that I could be you know um, I could be on a stage with a guy of that star power you know so it was uh, you know he, he helped you know we helped each other like in that again it's it, you know it's what in wrestling it's the old the old good piece of business you know that's that's why yeah. that, that's when you say it you know when it's like oh, to me a good piece of business is like when everybody comes out the other side better right yeah if one person gets over at the expense of the other person that's not a that's a good piece of business for one person, but horrible for the other. And now this person has no one to work with, right? Like so. In that, in that night, Nick, I, I just I just think that in, in nowadays it's very rare. Um, and I think what made this so special, in my opinion, I went back and watched it last night um, and just forgot so many bits and pieces about it that were just so wonderful. And they're just small detail things that only me and you would probably enjoy talking about because the rest of people wouldn't give a fuck. But um, but what I think, though, honestly, is that, and I hate to say it like this because it is very rare, but where it's two people that say, okay, we have this business to do. We want to do this business right. And if we do do this business right, we both get the fuck over. We both yeah. fucking are mega stars after this. And we show the world that we're better than what they thought or appreciated that we were. And I don't think that happens nowadays as much as it should. Not saying it doesn't happen, but it doesn't happen the way that, like the way this 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 was just something special, and that's why I wanted to do this match so bad because I'm telling you, like this was um, you were on your A game, uh, he was on his A game. Right. Um, I'm not I'm not, not trying to put myself over, but I was really trying hard to be my. And you took such a great, you took such a huge bump. Yeah, like, that's got, one of the things I remember on that. You went flying. Yeah, he knocked the shit out of me. That was probably one of the hardest bumps I've ever it taken. Was, it was, you know, I'm sure that some people would probably look at it and think probably had a little bit too much Shakespeare, but I felt like it was the right place to do it. Like the thing with Camille going for the spear and I stop her and say, no, like I'm going to do this by myself. And then that, that almost, and, and then that almost cost me because he hit, you know, because he takes out, you know, he hits me with his finish right after that, you know, so there, there was just so many moments where it was like, you're, you feel sympathy for this guy and you feel you know and you want it and you get behind this guy but then there are times where you have sympathy for that guy and you're getting behind the other guy in a way and and all the while you're still going like you know hopefully the plan at least was hopefully by the end they've just you know they really don't know where this is going to end and then when it does it's like a you know like a tragedy kind of you know like a sort of oh my god you know i i can't believe that he came that close and it, it didn't pan out um but I thought you were going to talk about the blood when you said, um, when you said, oh, this is, you know, one thing that set it apart, like that made it special was the blood, because I do think that the blood added to it. I do. Like, and that's the only time when I, that's the only time I would ever want to do it is, is for that reason, you know, and that's why I've only done it like a couple of times in my career, because I was like, this is the night to do it. Like, this no, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. You, you've only done that because you love your face. I, <laughs> 
I, <laughs> I've only done it a couple of times because it it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> but I will do it when the, I will do it on the you know for the right occasion. I remember I was t- I was telling this story the other day actually. Someone uh, it was a cameo. Someone booked me on cameo and they asked me a question about Jim Cornette, and I. And they said, oh, do you have any memories of... I, they brought up this match and show, ironically. They said, uh, oh, we, you know, you know, I loved the Crockett Cup match in 2019 and, you know, Cornette was on commentary for it and all that. And they were like, do you have any cool stories from it? And I was like, well, the one thing I remember was... Because, uh, you know, Cornette, he, he loves... Oh. He loves, like, gritty, traditional Southern wrestling, right? And so do I. And so I and so that match was, you know, I think um, obviously I can't speak for Jim, but I think that match was right up his alley. And the thing I remember was I, I came back to the dressing room and I was sitting there with I think we were there and like we we're having a beer, and like kind of just, you know, sitting there like job well done, good piece of business. And Cornette came flying in. He was like, let me see your head. Let me see your head. He wanted to see like where the because he because he I guess when he was watching it, he couldn't. um he couldn't tell when I'd done the, you know, when I when I'd gigged, he couldn't figure it out. So he's like, when'd you do it? Like, let me see. Like, let me, and it was just a little tiny cut. Um, and it um, you know, and it and it worked. And he was like, he was like, so excited. Like, God, look at that thing, look how small it is, you know, like God, it's so perfect. Uh, it's right in the hairline, you know. And he was like, he was like really like uh, applauding me for this, you know, <laughs> this late job. Well, do you um, want to know what's funny, Nick? You want to know what's funny is that before you got on here tonight and before we started this podcast tonight, um, RJ had said to me, hey, um, did Nick get busted open the hard way? And I said, um, really? you know what? Yeah. Yes. And I said, and I, this is my honest response. RJ, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I said, you know what? I don't think so. I said, because I know what was supposed to happen, but I don't know, though, for factual. So that's something that people are picking up, bro. Watching this back, it's yeah. crazy. I, it was it was very good camera work from um, Mark Davis and his Ring of Honor crew at that time too. I'll have to say that like they shot it perfectly, like because it never felt like oh they're cutting away so he can play. Like it, you know, sometimes in wrestling you can tell like you know something happens suddenly they cut away to the you know it's a, why are they on why are they got such a tight shot of the other guy you know and it's like oh because the other guys. You know, and then you come back and the guy's bleeding. Right. Um, but, you know, they, I, because, because ours was on, because mine was on the floor too. So I think it was easy to sort of go to show it, but then go back to the ring because that's what you'd be shooting. Like, oh, Marty's in the ring getting ready to do something. And it was like, yeah, it just, we just, we paid a lot of attention to detail with it. Like, we, it was one of those matches that was a lot of, you know, it was more, more more preparation than average and stuff like that but it was worth it that's the way i looked at it yeah because i watched it like three or four times and i told brian i said i i can't figure out where and i'm like because <laughs> just the way that it was placed above your and eye and i'm like and you'll never know no and i don't want to know i don't and that and that's why i love love this match just as much as you guys because it's just that you don't want to know certain things because you want to leave it to the imagination um and to, to get to the ending too here, just the way that you have Mar- Marty taps to the Cloverleaf, I just think that was a phenomenal, phenomenal ending way to end this great match because it, it, it just solidifies you is that you can you can win with anything. 
Right. I think, well, look, Bret Hart's probably the biggest influence on me as a wrestler, like as far as putting matches together, you know. Um, and so, you know, naturally I ended up gravitating towards the Cloverleaf as a finish, I guess, because it's similar to Sharpshooter, you know. And I think because for me, Brett told the most beautiful stories in the ring. I wanted to try to replicate that because, you know, I couldn't be as flashy as Shawn Michaels. Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, or, and I, you know, stuff like that. So it's like, I, but I, but I can try to do a rugged sort of believable technical style. Um, and so I think in that respect, like the thing, like one of the things about Brett's matches is a lot of the time they, you know, he would, he might, he might pull it out of the bag with a, with a, some sort of pinning combination like victory roll and bam, bam at the King of the ring or something like that. But otherwise it's like, no, he's, he's putting you in the sharpshooter and you're giving up, you know? And it's like, because it's that thing of like, once you get it on, like there's no escape, you know, like eventually you will win. And there's just, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things you can do with that that are different to hitting your finish one, two kick out, hitting your finish one, two kick out, you know? Um, and that's one of the things I loved about Brett. Um, was the fact that the, you know he stayed true to the sharpshooter for you know his whole career, um, and I think so in that you know in, in that respect it was like, um, it I wanted it to be like a fight scene in a movie where it was like, but not but not but, but more between one where it's like, um, they've both you know beat the shit out of each other, but one guy just but you know at the last minute one guy just happens to find the opening or happens to be able to press the button. So the guy goes flying out of the plane or whatever, just at the last minute when it looks like it's all over. Right. Like I wanted it to be like, I'm bleeding. I'm like, I've been hit with everything. Marty's outsmarted me at every turn. Like I'm about to lose. And then, but he managed to get the clover leaf, you know, cause we even did the thing with the fingers where yeah. like, I, I went to try to put it on him earlier and he reached there and grabbed the fingers and, and 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 it was like oh he's thought of everything like he can't get the clover leaf you know and then it was so it was again we just wanted to create that situation where it was like oh people start going oh he's not going to win with the clover leaf because he can't put it on so now they're immediately open to the idea that anything could happen so then when I actually do get it they go oh you know the clover leaf like he managed to do it so look, you know, it was it was two guys, and then three if you include Brian, which I do. But it was like Brian said, it was three guys who were just sort of on, you know, who were on their A game and all, you know, loved the business and studied the business and and put all of that passion and knowledge to use. So for those of you that have not seen this match, the link it is on YouTube. The link will be in the show notes here. So I would highly, highly suggest you go take a look at it, watch it. Um, also, lastly, thank you so much, Nick, for making time for both Brian and I tonight. Uh, very busy guy. I know um, big match coming up June 11th. If you just want to yeah. take a couple of moments to talk about that. Sure. Well, look, people, people have been following uh, the NWA in recent months know that um, Matt Cardona and I are oil and water, and that's just the way we want it, just the way we like it. Uh, it's a disgrace that he's the NWA champion. Uh, I had him beat in Nashville 
and um, you know Jeff Jarrett made the best call he thought he could. But uh, regardless of that, it's he know he knows it, and I know it. He's a paper champion, and I'm I have his number. So come June 11th, he can have the pay per view named after him. Let the baby have his bottle. That's what I say. But <laughs> you can't change the fact that when it comes to an 18 by 18 or a 20 by 20, I have his number. It's very cool. Yeah, so, so it's June 11th, Knoxville, Tennessee, that on pay-per-view and I believe Fight TV, correct? <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Okay. It, it'll be awesome. on pay-per-view on Fight or as part of the NWA All Access package. Okay. Awesome. Um, and then, uh, Brian, you got anything else before we close shop for the night? Or? Um, well, Nick, I really, really want to thank you for coming on to my show, man. And um, I really, really appreciate it more than you ever know. Um, I want everybody to know that he is truly one of my friends in this business, that it's hard to claim and say a lot of times, but I will literally pick up the phone and call him. and He has never not answered my call. And if he didn't answer it, he would text me back and say he's in a meeting or whatever it may be. And it means the world to me. Um, I truly love his wife to death, who is a Mickey James. And please give her a kiss on her forehead. If you want to do it in lips, just don't say it's from me, but just uh, kiss her on the forehead Got and it. tell her that Brian Hebner loves her. And um, I just want to thank you for being a true friend, man. And uh, uh, I just, you, you mean the world to me and I love working with you and uh, we, we, we will definitely, this we'll work again together. That's for sure. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you very much. You, you've been a, a huge blessing to my career. I love you too, buddy. Well, thank Brian. you so much. Is there anything you want to put over um, for yourself? Social media, movies.com. Some of you may know I have a supplement brand. Uh, we're, we're doing great. Um, and you can, you can find all the stuff at legacy subs, L-E-G-A-C-Y-S-U-P-P-S.com. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll hook you guys up with a promo code and then you can tell, you can tell the listeners um, how they can get a 20% discount by being friends of your show. Um, but we've had, yeah, we've had a huge amount of success. We've, we've got a number of guys who are currently working on television are now using the products and loving them. And uh, the, the sleep aid and our test booster are bestsellers. And uh, we've got, We've got a, a, a shit ton of verified positive reviews and we're um, we're growing all the time and uh, we're, we can, oh, and we're, we're available on walmart.com now too. So if you, awesome. do your shopping, if you do your shopping online at Walmart, you can find us there as well. Awesome. Cool deal. Right. Hey, so Brian, so next week we're going to be going over real quick plug for next week. We're going over AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels from Destination X 2012. It's a last man standing match that you were a part of. Um, so definitely we'll have the links out for that to watch that. Um, you know, go ahead over to castby.com slash reffing it up. All our links are there for social medias, webs or, uh, uh, platform, excuse me, all that good stuff. Brian, you're the man this week. Why don't you close it out? What do you got? Hey, just thanks everybody for uh, tuning in each and every week. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, an honor to do a show like this more especially than, than I've done any of these first nine and now this is 10. And, um, I really was looking so forward to this episode and, um, I think it was, uh, in my, in my heart, it was a huge hit for my show. I think it was a huge hit and I just want to thank you very much. And, um, once again, if, um, you want to hit me up on any of my social, you can, it's uh, at baby Hebner on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, other than that, I think we've had a great night. We'll see you right here next week on Reffing Up with Brian Hebner. One, two, three. <laughs>